I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. Great Commission. As Jesus was ascending into heaven, his disciples were with him, and he told them in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I just wanted to point out that he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. You know what all nations means? The whole world. The whole world. You want to know something cool about the power of the Lord to reach out when a father and his sons do something as simple as what we're doing? These are our metrics for people in different countries that have listened to things we put out there. Read that list of countries, Trey. United States, Russia, Singapore. Singapore. Okay. Poland, United Kingdom. There you go. Yeah. That's the list. And you send it out to all of that, those places. People in all those countries have listened to something we've recorded. People whom we've never met. I just think that's cool. I have no idea how the Lord's going to move in them, and I'm giving us no credit for what's what He's going to do in their lives. I'm just glad that all over the world, literally, even if the numbers of people are small, our voices are being heard, and we're talking about God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So take heart and thank you for listening, whoever is listening. We pray for you and and we love you and hope that you'll continue listening or 1 Samuel chapter 19. We finished yesterday talking about Saul and his decision to follow, just chase after sin. And what was the sin he was chasing after? Saul, death. Well, he wanted to kill David. That's right. 
That was the sin he was chasing after. Reconciling his jealousy by killing David. What we reminded ourselves was that when we are faced with a situation where we examine ourselves and realize that we're chasing after some sin, let's not go our whole entire rest of our lives like Saul, where we experience the emptiness that comes as we pursue that sin for the rest of our lives. It never had the power to fill us with the happiness and peace. Only the Lord can provide. If we find ourselves there, turn around in repentance. Go the other direction. Don't worry about how far you've gone and whether or not he'll accept you coming back. Don't don't look back. Just turn around. Look back to look towards God and walk forward. When you come to Christ, and you receive his spirit, it says you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Not because you remain out of sin or never have a slip up for the rest of your life. That's not what maintains your righteousness. Your righteousness is maintained because of Christ's abundant righteousness that he gave you. So whenever you find that you're not living in that light and that you got something going on in the darkness, turn around bring it into the light, watch the weeds shrivel up because that's what ugly things do when you bring them out into the light. They shrivel up and lose their power over you. You find out that people actually do love you enough to forgive you. And that gives you confidence that the Lord also loves you enough to forgive you or that he has forgiven you. The dark is where dark dark thoughts and evil things grow. Because like evil people and evil things... Mm-hmm. Um, find their strength in dark places. That's right. And then when they're out in the light, they have to fight for their life, and they eventually die because they, they can't stand all that light, and they have nowhere else to go. Maybe not everybody's like this, but I know that If I go back in my life and look at the most enslaving sin that I exercised, it grew when it was kept in the dark. But the moment it was brought out to the light, I realized that I have so much value, that there is so much about me that's lovable, that literally the people who I love and love me the most will literally forgive me because I'm worth it. I'm worth it. And if we're worth it in the eyes of a person, how much more worth it are we to a God who has an unlimited capacity to love? Bring it out to the light. When you find yourself there, turn around. Bring it out to the light and then just go the other direction. And you won't believe how righteous you will know that you are. You already were when you came to Christ, but you'll have knowledge of that righteousness moving forward. And if it happens again, turn around again. His grace is a limitless supply. Chapter 19. 
Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. But Jonathan was very fond of David and warned him, My father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul his father and said to him, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? You know, Jonathan is such a young man of character. Such a defensive person for David. Such a defensive person. It's one thing to know your father's evil plan and to go tell David. It's a whole nother thing to confront your father about his evil plan. He didn't confront his father in a way that wasn't honoring his father. Right? He didn't even want to hurt his father's feelings so it wouldn't happen to him either. That's right. He wasn't violating honor your father by telling him, Dad, David's done you no wrong. You shouldn't go after him. You shouldn't kill him. He was actually doing his dad a favor. Dad, this is wrong. And you're, you're better than this. Don't go there. David doesn't deserve that. The Lord is with him. I just think that can be something we can think forward, go, we can think of going forward, having the courage to say the right thing, even when saying the right thing is to someone who we're serving. I think, and Saul wasn't even a good leader, but any good leader will appreciate honest feedback. If they, if you can't give that person honest feedback. They'll be very difficult to serve. I think Jonathan's courage is incredible. And he obviously is doing the right thing. And in verse 6, Saul even sees that. It says, Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. So he made a promise. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and told him the whole conversation. He brought him to Saul and David was with Saul as before. Once more, war broke out, and David went out and fought the Philistines. He struck them with such force that they fled before him. Again, but an evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand. While David was playing the harp, Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear, but David eluded him, as Saul drove the spear into the wall. It's like deja vu. That, the same moment again. <laughs> yes. That night, David made good his escape. David showing some courage there too, and definitely some trust in the Lord, because I think after one time somebody throwing a spear at me, I could forgive him, but I don't know that I would play my harp in their house again and trust him necessarily 
when they had their spear nearby. Yeah, like, if if I was David playing the harp, and I saw him holding his spear again, mm-hmm. and he stands up, I'd be out of here by now. Definitely. The second he stands up, I'd be running out. Makes sense to me. Yeah, no one wants a spear hurled at them. <laughs> I've never had a, a spear hurled at me. Neither have I. I can't think. I guess the worst thing I've probably had hurled at me is a rock. Mm, a rock. And that's not as bad as a spear. And I'm guessing Saul knew how to throw a spear too. In verse 11, Saul sent men to David's house to watch it and to kill him in the morning, going back on his oath. But Michal, David's wife, warned him, If you don't run for your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be killed. So Michal let David down through a window, and he fled and escaped. Then Michal took an idol and laid it on the bed, covering it with a garment and putting some goat's hair at the head. Oh, not an idol. This isn't good. Maybe she's putting it there to trick them? That's what I'm thinking too. I'm, I'm probably thinking that they're not praising the idol, they're just making one so they can fake it. That's. I think you're right here. Let's keep reading. Verse 14. When Saul sent the men to capture David, Michal said, He is ill. Then Saul sent the men back to see David and told them, Bring him up to me in his bed, so that I may kill him. But when the men entered, there was the idol in the bed, and at the head was some goat's hair. Saul said to Michal, Why did you deceive me like this, and send my enemy away, so that he escaped? Michal told him, He said to me, Let me get away. Why should I kill you? When David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah, and told him all that Saul had done to him. So Michal really told a lie there. She fooled and told a lie. Maybe not the way she should have dealt with it, but that's the way she dealt with it. She's human, right? And that's what she did. It's kind of interesting because it's not completely unlike, you know, David who tries to cover things up and lie to hide things later on in his life so you wonder exactly where this idea came from if it was David's idea I'm not sure the point is he got away so he went and told Samuel about all this word came to Saul David is in Noeth at Ramah so he sent men to capture him but when they saw a group of prophets prophesying With Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came upon Saul's men, and they also prophesied. Can't help but prophesy when the Spirit of God comes on you in power. Yeah. That's just part of it. Like, we tell it to tell them why certain things happened, if it was for a good reason or a bad reason. Right. Or even just an encouraging word. Sometimes when I felt like the Lord prophesied in my mind, It was just an encouraging word for somebody. Fear I struggle with because I know that in my flesh I have fear 
sometimes. And so when I feel like I have fear about something, it's hard for me to identify rather that's prophecy or me just being fearful. And most of the time, maybe close to all the time, it's just me being fearful. But when it comes to things that have encouragement, like the time that I just knew that the Lord was prophesying to me that that man who I worked with needed someone to come pray for him, and I went in and prayed for him. If it's a word of encouragement, I trust that a lot, because more often than not, those things have have proven to be effective and inspired. Fear, some people can do that. I, I'm not that mature yet. Saul was told about it, and he sent more men, and they prophesied too. Saul sent men a third time, and they also prophesied. So really his entire army is about to start prophesying. The Lord is in control, whether Saul likes it or not. Finally, he himself left for Ramah and went to the great cistern of Sekhu, and he asked, Where are Samuel and David? Over in Noeth at Ramah, they said. So Saul went to Noeth at Ramah, but the Spirit of God came even upon him, and he walked along prophesying until he came to Noeth. I had an idea he was going to be prophesying. <laughs> it makes sense. He stripped off his robes and also prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay that way all that day and night. This is why people say, Is Saul also among the prophets? Saul was on a mission to do something evil, and the Lord intervened in this moment. It reminds us that nobody is too far, and that the Lord, the Lord is powerful. I don't know, we think of Saul as such an evil person because most of the stories are about his failures, but I, I don't, I, I never try and, and guess who made it to heaven and who didn't make it to heaven. It, obviously, I know what I believe about Jesus Christ and have a strong conviction in that. All I want to say is that I think we will be surprised by who we see in heaven. People like Saul who we thought, you didn't trust in the Lord at all. It's a good thing that we're not the judge of the heart. The Lord is. I know that in Christ, I just believe in God's eternal forgiveness. I live in a place where I never want to put boundaries on who he'll save. And that inspires me into peace and happiness. Brock is asleep. Again, second night in a row. Yeah. That is it. I love you. Thank you. You're a good kid. <laughs>